Welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, an integrative health podcast by Center for New Medicine. We created the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast as an extension of our mission to educate and empower individuals along their health journey. This integrative health podcast will bring you in-depth expert interviews on a plethora of health topics. Tune in bi-weekly for interviews on how to create a non-toxic lifestyle, integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Welcome back to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Lindsay, and today we have our certified nutritionist, Liliana Partita, back on the show to talk about anti-cancer nutrition. And so we're really honing in on why nutrition is a non-negotiable aspect of any cancer patient's protocol, what foods we should potentially be eliminating for the time during cancer treatment, but then also what foods we should be adding in. She also hones in a little bit on ketogenic diets, how those can be beneficial, even blood type diets, and how she utilizes that information to really help patients come up with a very custom nutritional plan while they're in treatment. As always, check the show notes for any resources, phone numbers, emails, other YouTube videos or articles related to today's topics. We have such a wealth of information on so many different things. So with that, please enjoy this interview with Liliana Partida. Well, welcome back, Liliana, to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Once again, I love sharing with you and great to be here. Yes. And today we're refining the topic a little bit more towards cancer. We're going to be talking about anti-cancer nutrition, what that even is. And one of the things I wanted to start off with is it sounds like what we hear from a lot of our oncology patients is their conventional oncologists are not even discussing the topic of nutrition. And so I want to start right off the bat with why is a cancer patient's diet even part of this journey? Okay. Well, I think, you know, um, one of the reasons why they don't discuss diet with them is one, they don't have a whole lot of um, education. Actually, uh, as, as doctors, I think they get about 40 hours of actual training in nutrition. And then when you're going to the conventional nutrition, they're still looking at the very archaic uh, pyramid and also the four food groups. I think their basic concern is not to lose weight. And so they more talk about, you know, what to do to prevent that, meaning even eating things like ice cream and anything that has a lot of calories. So they lead a patient to believe that what they eat really, it is not going to reflect on whether they heal, which I think, you know, is a really uh, unfortunate situation because 
how they lived, you know, we say that about 75%, you know, is lifestyle. And if 50% is actually what they eat, that's a big part that they're missing in terms of foundational nutrition to support their healing. So I think it's just a lack of information uh, that really needs to, um, that can often misguide someone in what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to nutrition, there's a duality to it. There's yeah. what we want to maybe cut out, but then there's also what we want to add in. And I want to spend the majority of our time talking about these a little bit more in depth, why we should take certain things out, why we should add certain things in. So let's start off with maybe the part people don't want to do, which is the <laughs> elimination yeah. area. What are some of the main areas or food groups or processed stuff that we're really trying to eliminate from the diet and why? Okay, you said the, uh, the most important word, processed, okay? And so, again, I had an experience just the other day where I went to go visit one of our patients uh, with fourth-stage cancer, a young girl, unfortunately. And, and as I was kind of scanning the room, I noticed that there was Starbucks coffee, very acidic. There was a pizza also, and there was cereal that they had brought in, uh, in as far as the commissary, and so much sugar. And I just kind of baffled me, and I just thought to myself, my goodness, uh, one of the things that they do in order to be able to uh, to see, you know, uh, cancer when they do these scanning is they actually give you glucose, and they can watch the cancer gobble up the glucose. And so it really baffled me, and of course, you know, um, I'm there to, to be a witness, to support, but of course I'm not going to go against any doctor's wishes. And so the first thing is we want to get out all processed food, things that is not real, because if it's not real, the body won't recognize it as a real food and your immune system will attack it. And so I say the first thing we do is we've got to get all processed food out of the diet, all cereals, all um, uh, refined grains and white flour. All of these are very acidic chips. And, and even though they say gluten-free or they say, you know, um, you know, cook baked in this and that, they're still, you know, not a food that you picked or you pulled off of a tree or a plant. So your Mm -hmm. body is not going to accept it as real nutrition. So it's empty calories. Mm -hmm. And what these patient needs are dense calories because oftentimes they don't feel uh, they can eat as much as they used to, whether it's because of nausea or pain, um, that what we do want to do is really focus on the most nutrient-dense foods. So the first thing I ask them to do is get off of everything white, you know, white rice, white sugar, uh, white flour. And um, and then, of course, you know, if they cook, then what I do is try to inspire them to all the things that they can have mm-hmm. rather than all the things that they have to eliminate because that's the first thing they do. They're just looking at me like, what are you going to take away from me, mm-hmm. right? And so so I want to I want to support them in looking at you know what at what what is the variety of things that I can have regardless of if I had the situation or not would make me healthier and I would have more longevity to my life and then again you know we want to get out anything that is a false nutrient like all of the false sugars aspartame mm. anything with uh, lose at the end right. Um, you know, aspartame, neotame, uh, equal, all of these things are really super toxic to the body. And we've known, even though the FDA has approved them, they, are, they can have a carcinogenic effect to the body. And all of the dyes and the color. So there, if you just take out processed foods, you're going to do yourself a huge uh, leap forward in regards to those 
things that the body is already being under its compromised situation, will it be even more compromised to have to have the immune system work on cleaning house when it should be looking at the front gate of all mm -hmm. the invading army. And then, um, and then really getting them to understand the chemistry of food. So we know for sure, you know, with uh, Dr. Otto Warburg's work, that um, cancer um, utilizes glucose in a glycolysis, glycolysis fashion, and um, and then what it produces is lactate. And so again, in a normal healthy cell, uh, it uses the, gl the gl glucose, but it turns it into pyruvate, which can go into the Krebs cycle and actually make ATP and energy uh, in the presence of oxygen or without. So the first thing to do is get them to understand uh, is that sugar is uh, a big problem and that so many foods that they have no idea turn into an extraordinary amount of glucose. I think uh, we consume about 152 pounds of sugar uh, a year, which is a lot of sugar. Mm -hmm. And, and pa my patients don't realize that a bagel is 45 grams of sugar or that a, ha a hamburger bun is 45 and then their french fries were another 42 and their and their coca-cola was another 35 and so before they know it they've eaten more than they're they're really you know recommended to have on a day-to-day -day basis and so when they start to understand they, they get these wide eyes as oh my gosh i thought you know bananas were healthy well they are healthy but a whole banana is 27 grams of sugar so we can use a portion of that to you know enhance a smoothie but again maybe we put some avocado to give the thickness you know and we have some cacao powder in there uh, to give it this creamy taste to it so when i start teaching them good swap outs mm -hmm. it makes it a lot easier them for them to understand that, that oh you know it's not that it's bad it's just that it doesn't fit into the mathematical equation of what I'm giving them based upon how many calories they burn and uh, and that what, what that should look like on their plate um, we know for sure that acidity we're always leaning them towards an alkaline diet to the best of their capacity to do it right because oftentimes I'll get patients to say oh, okay well the doctor wants me to be vegan and I've been doing it for four or five months or I've been doing it for a couple of months I said well how do you feel and he says I hate it mm -hmm. okay well that's that's a perfect uh, uh, that's like a that's a nocebo effect I hate this but yet I'm having to do it and I don't think it's gonna work for me so it won't mm. and so I really work with the patient and what their what their willingness what they find joy in doing and also uh, can we do this on a longevity mindset so I really want to work with each patient for an individual and then of course we have a very educated patient so they often come in very researched and they're very confused should it be paleo should it be keto should it be vegan should it be vegetarian should it be macrobiotic should it be raw right yeah. and it's exhaustive yeah. and so if I can just teach them the chemistry with the philosophy that somehow they have prescribed in their own intuition of you know this sounds like it resonates with me and then I say, you become your own personal experiment mm -hmm. and you will work closely with me and you will give me information on how you feel. What does your bowels movements look like? How many hours are you sleeping? How is your sense of, you know, uh, your nervous system? All of these things, if they give me that information, I can help them adjust along the way. And they might find that, you know, they thought that this was the best diet. You know, I have breast cancer, so I'm going to go completely vegetarian. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're becoming deficient in many things or their hair starts thinning or, you know, they start getting deficient because the body's pulling things right out of them. So I, I, I want to look at that we want most of the diet to be plant sourced, okay? Mm -hmm. And with maybe 20% of it being acidic, however they choose to look at it, whether it's going to be animal or it's going to be beans or grains, which are sub-acid, 
and even fruit is a subacid and nuts are subacid really the only alkaline foods are going to be those dark leafy green vegetables and some fruits um, but again you know we don't only want to live off that because then they won't have the protein that they need um, so you can be a super healthy vegetarian or a vegan but we really kind of want to lead towards the ketogenic mindset of it uh, meaning that um, they still are getting protein, which in the ketogenic is 20%, uh, but again, 20% of the beans and, and also uh, nuts and seeds and things of that nature. And um, so again, normal diets are about 30% when you're healthy, so we bring it down to 20 regardless in any arena that we choose to dedicate, you know, uh, what it, whatever they choose, vegan or vegetarian or keto. And then um, about, let's just say, uh, 12 to 15 percent of their total things that turn into sugar uh, we call those carbohydrates mm-hmm. uh, regardless in, uh, in in whatever um you know food genre that they want to have and then again you know if you're leaning towards the specific sometimes uh, fats a high level of fat isn't necessarily great in regards of the diet that they chose like let's just say if they go on to a total vegetarian diet and their carbohydrates are usually a whole lot higher, that they really uh, discourage you from having a high level of fats. And so fat is essential because one, it's needed for the brain, uh, it's needed for hormones, and it also makes you feel full. So protein and fats are what we call essential because we need them. We don't <laughs> manufacture as much as we need. And in so much that the cholesterol that we have is um, our body, our liver produces 80% of it. That's how important it is for hormones. And so I, I try to get people to recognize the good fat, mm-hmm. you know, the nuts, the seeds, the avocados, the hemp seeds, the chia seeds um, are all things that the body can utilize and make it these, these, these wonderful essential fatty acids out of. But fried foods are off the list because we don't want hydrogenated. We want don't want partially hydrogenated. We want, don't want foods that in restaurants that have been used over and over again, these oils, right? And the body doesn't know what to do with it. It's like shellac, you know, what am I gonna do? I'll put it against an arterial wall. Mm-hmm. And so really getting to understand what is what is real food right if it's all processed and even I'm not a real fan of you know uh, fake meats and fake this and fake that because you know it's like well if I if I if I have an urge or desire to eat that let me just eat the real thing right and um and so I try to teach patients if they want to be vegetarian or vegan how we can make a, a lentil burger, right? And how we can add some, um, you know, GMO-free tempeh and turn that into, uh, you know, tacos mm-hmm. or some um, GMO-free fermented tofu, uh, you know, depending, you know, if they don't have an estrogenic issue and teach them how that they can use these foods and implement them rather than fake food. I love that you, one of the things you usually say is we do a modified ketogenic diet. And Mm. I think what that means is it's leaning towards ketogenic because as you've already stated, we know for a fact cancer feeds on sugar. Mm -hmm. So that is just a part of every cancer patient's treatment that we can't get around. We need to reduce the sugar. But I absolutely love that you're always trying to meet the patient where they're at as well and go, look, I'm not going to come to you and say you can never eat meat or you only have to eat meat or you can never have this. Here's the basic guidelines. If you feel like a certain level of meat really sustains you, great. Here's a healthier way we can add that in. If you're feeling like actually maybe meat weighs you down and disrupts your digestion, then here's some other great options for you. And I think 
that makes it so much more accessible because we are so bio-individual. Right, and the body speaks to you. Mm-hmm. And you know, whether you get a histamine reaction, you're eating something, all of a sudden you start getting congestion, whether nasal and or <coughs> clearing your throat, uh, we get bloated, we get gassy, uh, we get constipation. So these are all signals. And I tell you, pay attention to the signals because your body is going to express itself. And just like a child, when it's in need, it expresses itself and you don't and you don't hesitate to meet its needs, but yeah, yo, later, I'll deal with that later. Oh, you know, we mm-hmm. don't, or we don't even relate the discomfort that we're experiencing after a meal or sleepiness um, or overactivated as something that we just ate that influenced our chemistry. We're just a chemistry pool, mm-hmm. right? And so we want to be able to stabilize the blood sugar is the number one thing. We want to make sure that, um, you know, in a lifestyle that you're getting the rest you need so that you can rest and recover and heal and that we don't disrupt the, the um, elimination cycle uh, by allowing the morning to be the time where we're assisting elimination. So I tell my patients the watery foods, you know, if they want to do a green juice, that would be a great time. If they want to do some fruits that, you know, they do before before, uh, and then maybe they follow it half an hour later with a protein shake, uh, something of that nature. Those are all foods that help to move the bowels, mm-hmm. fibers and things of that nature, not, you know, bacon and eggs and hash browns. I mean, wow, there you go. It's just, you know, di- your, your, the energy that you need for detoxification to continue on just all went straight to digestion for the yeah. next four hours, right? <laughs> and so to get them to understand that the chemistry is, um, every, uh, we all have it, uh, we all have individual needs, but the bottom line, um, we have basics that we need to meet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I wanted to touch a little bit more on, because you just mentioned it, we can have, oftentimes we eat things, we have certain reactions like the, the sinus congestion or the phlegm in the back of the throat. And I know that removing foods that we might be in that moment sensitive to or even potentially allergic to is critically important. Can you just touch on that a little bit in regards to how when we're eating these things we're sensitive to, it's a burden on the system, on the immune system especially. Well, since our immune system, you know, it rests in the gut, I'd say about anywhere between 75 to 80%, is that we've got to pay attention that without a good gut, we're not going to be able to heal or manufacture uh, all of those beautiful neurotransmitters that give us the dopamine and the will to live and motivation and things of that nature. And so um, I most often, if anybody uh, shares with me that they've got bloating or gas, then I start investigating, you know, do we have a SIBO? issue uh, do we do they need to go on a FODMAP type of a diet where we eliminate all of these uh, really complex tiny starchy foods that ferment in the body uh, do they have candida um, do they have things that are disrupting um, their gut that's not allowing it to to work as best as it could so we want to remove those but we also want to look at those foods that potentially um, are aggravating themselves because um, they've comp- not, not only they're in a compromised immune system immune system situation, they begin to have a leaky gut mm-hmm. in regards to little particles of foods, uh, or, or they start to get a little, um, uh, the little junctures in their intestinal mm-hmm. tract start, start to get loose and open up slightly and allow for particles to go out into the bloodstream, whether they're undigested food or bacteria or different toxins. And now the immune system becomes very overreactive. And so what they would have never been allergic to, now they're really allergic to it because the immune system is going to have to attack it. And it's going to say, oh, that's an offensive uh, uh, enemy. And so the first thing we do is we give food sensitivity tests a lot of the time to just establish what at, th- at this time are they having a, uh, having 
a reaction to. And most often it's those foods that they've been eating a lot of, mm-hmm. like eggs, you know, or nuts or beans or things of that nature. So we know we need a variety. We don't just need to go one direction. We need a variety and a balance of everything so that the body can make all the different enzymes that it needs is because your body will adjust to what you eat. And if you if you stop eating meat, you know, your production of hydrochloric acid will go down. And then when I do eat it and, and I get sick, I go, you see? It's not good for me, right? Yeah. Uh, or for eating raw foods, and uh, we are all gassy and bloated because our body doesn't have it puts burden on to have to digest. So really, a combination of everything, mm-hmm. and then um, and then creating it as balanced as possible, so the patient doesn't feel deprived. Mm-hmm. I can never eat that. I can never have that. Everybody else is having that, and I say, you know, sometimes you're in a situation where you know it's a celebratory situation. You know, I say take two to three polite bites and, and, and send it down, right? But again, you get that dopamine hit of that I get to I get to do it, but I didn't overdo it to take myself in a spin. I bless it, I eat it, and um, and I probably won't need to do that for another three or four months because I allowed myself rather than restricted. When nobody was looking, I went and had it. Yeah. You know, because, you know, guilt wants punishment and mm-hmm. that means that they're going to start freaking out and going oh my god what did i do to myself and what how, right and so um i love food sensitivity tests because it just gives us one more layer of how we can support the patient and then of course i look at their blood type and i say okay well you know you know we as alternative medicine we look at everything we want to look under every single rock and so even though conventional medicine would say you know the blood, the blood type doesn't have anything to do with you know what the food you should eat i i do microscopy i can look underneath the microscope and look at their blood and i can also look at when i ask them to take certain foods uh, uh entertain the idea of taking certain foods out of their diet that that wasn't their primal blueprint like if they're you know if they've got a blood type o they've got caveman blood right and so they don't do well with um, um any of what we call the industrial age of eating all of the grains and the manufactured foods and the dairies and the processed things they just don't do well with it mm-hmm. and so to get them back onto the diet that their primal blueprint uh you know uh, should be in in terms of their own homeostasis and so again if they're blood type a uh, they don't have a whole lot of they don't manufacture as much hydrochloric acid as an o so o's do good with meat and blood type a's don't do so well with meat and again they don't do good with red meat and we know that red meat is most acidic than than any of the meat. So I really try to discourage them from eating meat, red meat. But if they are going to have it, uh, you know, just say maybe once every, 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 once a week or once every two weeks or once a month, something of that nature, just kind of use it as more of a treat rather than the main event. Um, and then, you know, lean towards like, you know, turkey and uh, fish and, um, I don't really necessarily love chicken that much, right, either. Um, but, um, you know, the other ones that are, you know, they're, they're all they're all going to have an acidic, an acidic nature to it. But if you pair them up with things like dark leafy chlorophyll foods, uh, steamed vegetables, uh, raw foods, then they're going to and, and then marinate them. They're going to break down much easier. And if they don't fry them, then we won't have such a heterocyclic amine issue with that. And, um, you know, just really kind of teach them how, how, how to let it be part of their diet. Uh, and really trust that they know best, mm-hmm. right? If you've got, if they're, sometimes they're hankering for a piece of red meat, and I look at their blood, and they're anemic, you know. Yeah. Uh, or sometimes that they are, you know, wanting something specific. It's because the body knows, and 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 why and why negate what you feel. I think it's so interesting. I, in my mind, I call them false cravings and true yeah. cravings because it's so, sometimes like, you know, let's say we have candida or parasites that might be stimulating the sugar yeah. and the dairy cravings. Oh, yeah. And so, but I, what I've noticed is when we clear out a lot of those, when we clear out the processed foods, when we reduce the sugar, it allows those true cravings to actually come up. And then you can go, 
oh, it's so weird. I feel like having this piece of meat that I don't usually eat, there's probably something in it my body's needing. Right. Absolutely. And, and just teaching my patients how to trust themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and not to get into the spin of, you know, what this person is doing or that person is doing because they're uniquely themselves. Mm-hmm. And when they really begin to, I teach them kinesiology too. I say, okay, let's muscle test yourself and I'll show you how to do it. So even when you're in a grocery store, you can just place your hand on it and see how your body moves forward and back in a yes or no manner. And when they begin to do that and they start to go, oh my gosh, I can't believe this, I did it. They start trusting, yeah. right? And then when it says no, when they really want to eat something, they said, my body said, no okay and yeah. then and then they don't do it uh which I, I love to hear those stories when they come back oh my gosh you know and i, and I did it anyway and i got immediately bloated yeah. you know oh wow or or let's just say they eat a food and i say okay well if you have been allergic to it but you've been off of it for six months and you want to reintroduce it take your pulse before you eat it and about maybe you know seven minutes later take your pulse again did your pulse rise did it you know rise you know five or ten beats higher than it was well that's showing that you're not ready for it uh, when people start reintroducing a little bit higher of more glucose into their diet, uh, let's just say they're in maintenance mode and uh, we're going back to a more of a balanced 50-50, um, let's just say carbohydrates and proteins together, I say, well, in order for you to know you're, that you're cell ready is just get a glucose meter and after you've eaten your meal about 50 about uh, 45 minutes later, you know, no sooner, no later, um, is that you just do a a blood stick and just, you know, put it on like a little diabetic meter. And if it's above 100, then your body's not ready for the load that you consumed and or, you know, that particular Mm -hmm. food. Okay. And so, um, again, I don't need to tell them they can actually do it themselves as their own personal experiment go, oh, my gosh, oh man it went up to 150 and i really also felt so just so enjoyed it so much so you just bless it and you just say okay information yeah rather than letting affect me in a negative way you know disrupting my state of peace of mind uh or self-love is to say thank you for that information Mm -hmm. i'm just not ready for it yet or maybe i take half of what i just ate instead of having a half a cup of rice i just take four tablespoons and put it into my salad and i didn't have any issue at all Mm -hmm. so it's again just to kind of get the feel and use your and and all the information that's in front of you uh, or what presents itself use it as information and to sit back and say what am i going to do with this information Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to the sensitivities and a lot of these shifts in general is a lot of it is temporary. It's right. when you're in that bulk of your treatment, you're really trying to make headway. And I think going into it with that knowledge of it's not that I'm never, ever, ever going to be able to have this again. But right now my body's telling me it needs a break. Right. And especially with the sensitivities, we know if we heal up that gut and heal up that immune system, a lot of those fade away. Oh, absolutely. And become non-issues. When I had Hashimoto's and I had a leaky gut syndrome, I was allergic to absolutely everything. Carrots and broccoli and spinach. I was like, what? These are like amazing foods that I, I don't, I'm not really, I don't have diarrhea. I don't have this and that. But my body was, you know, and hyper, you know, hyperactivity because of the Hashimoto's. And I developed a leaky gut and it was insomnia issues and everything else. So I, I thought, well, what am I going to eat? It's everything on here that I'm allergic to. So I had uh, Misty, which is um, our allergist specialist. And she checked me with a, a pinch prick on all of those foods and then with the information that I got from the blood work we combined that and made an antigen and so I gave myself an injection you know every third day so that during the process of healing I was I was you know calming down my immune system so that I could heal so after nine months of those injections I was able to get off the injections and I can have you know uh, uh, um, let's just say spinach or carrots but now do I eat them every day but then I look at my blood type and I say okay you know what when I eat chicken you know I have a reaction uh, 
on my blood work and at my blood type. And even though it's been months and months, I still have a negative effect to chicken. Mm-hmm. So I say, you know, I'm not going to eat chicken. It doesn't go good for my blood type. And, you know, I'm ha- I get a little eczema. I'm not going to do it. Why would I bother? Right. Yeah. And I think it it can be so easy to just go, ah, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Why do I need to be so strict with this? And in my mind, the analogy I always give myself is our immune cells are like an army. And we want, you know, if 90% of our army is off fighting all these processed chemicals we're eating, that leaves like 10% to fight this cancer. So we want to free up as many of those little soldiers as we can so we can hit that cancer with the full force of our army. And when I look at it like that way, for me it goes, oh, okay. And then also eating is such a, in a sense, it's almost a free treatment we can give ourselves, but it can be right. so impactful. Yeah, it's medicine, absolutely. You know, and I tell my every patient, I say, I want you to treat yourself like you're responsible for somebody you absolutely unconditionally love that would not flourish and may die without your support. And that's you. Mm-hmm. Because we're very conditional with ourselves. We're only unconditional with our pets and our children. <laughs> yeah. All right? You know, and so if they start to have that mindset as the child within me is running my immune system, then I why would I give her that Coca-Cola, even though she wants it? Mm-hmm. Why would I let her eat those French fries, even because everybody else is having them? But what am I going to give her instead to replace it? Because children, you know, hey, I can't have that. Well, how about this? Okay. Yeah. Right? They're not like adults with their, you know, rigid mindset and ideas and things of that nature. So if we work with the child within in regards of what do you need, and, I, and I'm your best advocate, then I'm going to take the time not to... Um, sabotage you Mm -hmm. so just being responsible yeah and I just love that you're such an amazing resource for the patients not just in the knowledge but like I said before really meeting them where they're at because I do think when it comes to nutrition it is so easy to get lost and having someone there who can walk you through it explain some of the science behind it in layman's terms so that you really get it but it's also not just here's the prescription of food I'm giving you here's why and now i'm empowering you to go do it at home right exactly and you know some some people will look me straight in the face and they say wow uh i don't cook (laughs) all right (laughs) uh you know and so we have resources here and my daughter she's a nutritional chef so she uh, cooks for all a lot of our cancer patients and it works out beautifully because they really don't have the desire to go into the kitchen and again often a lot of them think they don't like cooking nor do they have the Mm -hmm. desire but then out of need they start doing it and I give them recipes and they're like hey my husband liked it and the kids liked it so that was really and they and they get a little bit of dopamine hit on I did it and everybody liked it not just me yeah and they get more I I had a patient I said to folks maybe you're gonna fight I hate cooking so well maybe someday you will find your 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 passion and then she said to me about three months later you know what I think I found my passion. Now, I'm not saying I'm a great cook, but you know what? I'm interested now. And I thought, yes, that's good. Oh, that's amazing. Well, Liliana, thank you so much. And I'll make sure that we actually link your daughter's site because she has a website. Is that correct? Um, she doesn't have a website, but she has a contact number. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'll make sure that's in the show notes too, just for anyone local who might be interested yeah. in that. Okay. Um, and of course, all of your information in the show notes as well. Thank you. 